Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I have so enjoyed the Names of God series, and uh, I, I am finishing up the Old Testament Names of God tonight, and then uh, we will move into one more uh, that we'll close it up with here in a couple weeks. Obviously, next Wednesday uh, before Thanksgiving, we won't be in service. I was listening to Josh Barnett. He's one of the pastors at Christian Ministries in Hot Springs, and he was teaching a sermon on one of the names of God, and I wanted to give him some credit tonight because he just said in his Bible reading, he mentioned a verse that he had came across, and it sums up why we're studying the names of God. And I thought that was, that was just powerful when he said it, and, and I wanted to read it to you. It's in Psalms chapter 9, verse 10, and it says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You know, there is an importance to knowing God's name. And here's why. Because you won't have trust if you don't know all the facets of who he is. We find ourselves daily in life in some type of need or in a position where, God, God, I need you, I need you. Well, if you'll know who he is and his nature and what is available to you, you can call out his name. And you may not remember the actual name. I mean, uh, some of these names are hard to say, right? But you can remember what that character trait of God is, if you will, and who he is. So do we trust in the name of God? Just a question for you tonight. Do we trust in these names? And so I, I think as you learn more, and you experience and you hear stories about what God has done in people's lives, you start to realize that name was real to them. And so it can be real to me. So many names describe him and they tell of who he is. And I, I, I just, the thought goes like this. God in his multifaceted being, in everything that he makes available and who he is, is like his name's are like an ocean. And oftentimes, we don't see the vastness and the bigness and the awesomeness of God because we're only seeing things from our little perspective. And our name and our life seems to be oftentimes like a little cup, and God's is an ocean. I mean, we're a little cup that's holding that much water, and God's, the, the water, the ocean is who he is. And, and, and so we have sometimes this thought of a disconnect because we're so much less in comparison. But I want to talk about a name tonight that if you can understand, it will, it will allow you access to that ocean instead of just thinking your life's nothing but a little cup of water. Your life is significant because of who God is. And who he is in your life. Tonight I want to talk about Jehovah El Shaddai. El Shaddai. The all-sufficient one. Lord Almighty. El Shaddai. God Almighty. The mighty one of Jacob. The name speaks to God's ultimate power 
over all, but also his power available individually to you. Uh, several years ago, back in the 80s, I believe, there was a song that Amy Grant had out, and some of y'all are nodding your heads. Uh, and, and probably because of that song, the generation that I live in probably knows the name El Shaddai more than any other name uh, of God in the Bible. It's used 48 times in scriptures, five times in Genesis. Uh, the book of Job uses the name Shaddai, which I, we'll talk a little bit more about here in a second, uh, 40 times. So th the more you understand the mighty one, you more you understand what's available, you, you re that I wish I'd have known what I'm teaching tonight when I heard that song when I was in my teen years. I mean, I would sing that song and I'd just belt it out. But I, And if you like, I've never heard that song, look it up. It's the first thing that pops up on Google. If you put in El Shaddai, Amy Grant's song will be right there. Uh, and, and, and I already listened to it today and I've got it stuck in my head again, just like I was a teenager again. Exodus chapter 6, verse 3. God says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. I think this is really cool because this is one of the names that God says, this is my name. It's not someone calling him that. This is God said, I, I appeared in Exodus to Abraham, to Isaac. So let's back up to when he did appear. Uh, Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully, live a blameless life, and I'll make a covenant by, with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. God introduces himself to Abraham as, hey, I'm God Almighty. And you need to know that's what he's doing tonight to you if you don't understand this. He, he's saying, hey, I'm God Almighty. I just want you to know that. He's saying that to us tonight. I'm God Almighty. And if you'll serve me faithfully and you can live a blameless life, and we can because of Jesus, then I'm, I've got a covenant for you and, and I'm, I'm guaranteeing you life like you haven't experienced before. Now, God, when he introduces himself to Abraham, I want you to know this is Genesis 17, but a few chapters before, he had already been given a promise, Abraham had. And the promise was understood that all the families would be blessed through him. Now, in time, that was 25 years ago. So Abraham is hearing God say, hey, I'm, I'm God Almighty, and I want you to know everything's good, I'm God Almighty. And Abraham's like, yeah, and for 25 years you've been saying that I'm going to have the blessing of a child to where generations will be blessed through me. And if you read in between there, chapter 16, there's a lot of, I'm not going to go through and read all the Bible story. I just want, you've heard of what Abraham did, right? And Sarah, Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, you know, come in here and I need you to, have a child with Abraham. Well, what was going on there? Now, we can talk all about this, but what was going on is they tried to take what was God's promise and make it happen on their own. Yeah. 
That, that's what they did. They knew God had a promise, and we have to fulfill that, and we're getting old. And so, God, I'm needing you to kind of speed it up. And Sarah's like, okay, we'll go in here and just do this, and then we'll have a child, and that must be how it's going to work. God never changes. And when he says something, what he said doesn't change. When he gives a promise, his promise doesn't change. And I just want to tell you, don't settle for something inferior because it's taking too long, in your opinion. I, I mean, I read that story, and that's one of the things that I mean, a lot of points to it, but I, I know that some of you have experienced some of the promises of God that you know are yours, but you're not walking in them yet. I thought I would be married by now. I thought I would be making more money. There'd be more coming into my bank account than what I'm making. I thought I would be retired by now. I thought I would have influence. I never heard this word when I was younger, but younger people hear this. I'm going to be an influencer. Well, that's great. Why don't you get something to be an influencer about first? Because a lot of people want to influence somebody, but they don't have anything in their life that's credit worthy to say, hey, I, I want to influence you with this. Well, with what? You ain't got nothing. Well, I thought I would have influence by now, but no one's listening to me. I, I thought I would have grandchildren by now. Maybe I never dreamed I'd have this many at this point. You know, we just start thinking God is not working things according to our time schedule. I don't know if you can identify. I mean, I just listed a few. I, I could have gone on and on there. But so many times people, they sell out for less just because they're not seeing right away what they think they should be seeing right away. I think I should be seeing that, so I'm just going to sell out and I'm going to do it my way. And See, God gives promises that... You can never make happen on your own. You just can't do it. I, I, I mean, that's why he's El Shaddai. He's almighty, all-powerful, and you're not. I'm not. But he is, and we need to know that he is. We have a real tendency to forget our association with him when life is going in a direction we didn't plan on it going. Well, I didn't plan on being here right now. Well, God didn't get removed from his place of almighty just because you're not where you thought you'd be. He's still almighty. He's above everything else. He's above where you're at right now. He's at a place that a lot of times we don't give him the knowledge of, and we don't give ourselves the knowledge of knowing that he is above it all. Now, we learn to love as we mature in our Christianity, that our very existence is under him. So as you mature in your Christian life, hopefully you start getting to a place to where your identity is in Christ, yeah. not in everything else. Right. Your identity is actually in El Shaddai. Yeah. Now, we start our identity of who we are in life even before salvation, we start it based on the family we're born to. So we've got to talk about identity because as I started this out with God's an ocean and we're a little cup of water, 
We, we need to know that the access to the ocean is ours. Well, how do we get that? We've got to identify with the ocean, not the cup of water. And so I, I hope I'm making sense. It was just the best way for me to explain it. But, but we start our identity based on our family and what's available to us based on who or where we're born at. I, I mean, I, I know that a lot of you are like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have been born the way I was born. I wish I wouldn't have been born to the parents I was born to. Or maybe you're like, okay, mine were pretty good, but they could have had a little more money. I mean, they could have had this. They could have had this available to me. You know, then you grow up a little bit and you start being identified by how you operate socially. Just in this church, we have different social groups. And I'm not talking about our life groups. I'm talking about what you do. There's some hunters. Praise God, I identify with some of y'all. But there's some that don't hunt at all. And, and I, I don't identify with that. But someone identifies with what the ones that don't hunt at all do. See, there's a lot of different social groups, and I, I got to get, get off hunting, but you understand the, the different different ways that life, I mean, there's just city folks, there's country folks, there's folks, I'm, there's just people. And, and so you grow up, well then, I, I want you to know you learn at some point your race. And society teaches you that. And it teaches racial conflict or racial differences or you learn at some point what sex you are. And if you're a Christian, there's only two. But you learn this as you get older. Then you start being, see, you're identified as I'm female and I'm male. I'm identified as I'm white, Anglo-Saxon, male, in this social, social class in southwest Missouri. And when I was talking to Guillermo, our pastor of Christian Ministries in uh, Houston this week, he was talking about some things he was dealing with, and he said, well, here's what the state of Texas requires. I said, well, I have no idea. I know what the state of Missouri... See, all of a sudden, I felt a difference just because of where we live. That doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just that it, our identity is not the same. You know, after you work through all of those things, your race what sex you are, what social class you belong to, then you start being identified by your job. In fact, it's one of the first things we ask people. So, so what do you do? And very seldom do people say, I go to church. No, that's asking what job you have. I've tried to quit asking people what they do and ask what their vocation is. Because I, I, I don't want people to be, their identity is their job. Uh, yes, I, my, my job is pastoring Christian ministry. That's my vocation. But I'm a child of God just like everybody else is that I'm talking to that's a Christian. And oftentimes we get caught up on our identity based on our job, what house we live in. How about this? What hobbies we enjoy? And here's the problem. When you start being identified by every one of those areas, 
it's real easy for the enemy when there's frustration in one of those areas to cause you to be defeated. Because all of those things are what make up your little cup of water. But when you start being identified with the God who is multifaceted and bigger than you can even imagine, El Shaddai, then all of a sudden you aren't a target for the enemy. All of those areas, you lose your job and that was your identity. And now what am I going to do? You need to make that not your identity. See, because God is almighty and all-powerful, and he says his people won't be out for begging for bread. I, I would never allow a job with my identity in Christ to cause me to be worried and frustrated. Are you following what I'm saying? See, there, we got to get our identity in the right place because the devil gets you to a place of defeat or gets you to be a victim. I'm just a victim. I, I, I was born... It, I was born in the wrong time. I was, I was born male and I should have been female. And, and then all of a sudden your whole life becomes you're a victim of wrong. Are, are you hearing me? And, and the devil can only do that when you don't see your identity in Christ. You see it in your makeup. Now, When you make your definition of who you are based on your life circumstances, then when life circumstances start failing you, you start seeing yourself as a failure. I see it all the time. The enemy wants your failures to define you. Let's say it like that. Divorce. Probably... The, the eight ball of the Christian church for generations. If you've been divorced, you're of no good, no use for the kingdom. I mean, I've seen this play out in churches that I grew up in, was a part of. Divorce, you're just done. Okay. That's what your identity's right here. <laughs> See, your failures, your drug addiction, alcohol, Pornography, a past affair, a habitual liar, a bankruptcy situation, some mistake that you have made, and then you're like, you're marked the rest of your life, and this is your identity, this is who you are. And whenever anybody tries to help or encourage, I mean, you're still identifying with something that was a failure 20 to 30 years ago. At what point is there an El Shaddai in your life? Yeah. See, there never is because you're, the enemy's got you tricked into believing your identity isn't with God. It's with circumstances. You, you've got to see El Shaddai bigger than anything that you have failed in. And you've also got to see him bigger than anything that you've succeeded in. He's the God of the mountain. Another word for it. You know, Chapman taught on last week, I believe, um, Jehovah Sidkenu. And one of those names that you probably won't remember, but he is our righteousness. And if he is our righteousness, you didn't do anything to get there. So all that you, you did to get there, you didn't. He did. He got you into right standing. 
Therefore, if you didn't do anything to get you there, then you can't do anything to take you away from there. But the devil is going to try to make you think that you can. And if he can get you thinking that he can take you away from the kingdom of God, and he just wants to just wreak havoc upon your life, before long you're like, you're right, I'm not worthy. I'm not ever going to church. I'm not doing. See, God is not ashamed of you. He is trying to remove your shame. But what happens is you start thinking that God just couldn't ever be pleased with me. He loves you and he's over all of this junk that's trying to defeat you and the devil's trying to make that stuff bigger than God. That's why we have to know Jehovah El Shaddai. You have to know him. In the word, God renamed people. Jesus renamed people. And they received new direction before they had even matured into the promise. I mean, he changed names of people before the promise came to fruition. Abraham was Abram. And then he gets the name Abraham. Sarai gets the name Sarah. Peter. I mean, this is so cool. Jesus, he gives Peter his new name. You're rock. You're the rock. And if you just read a few little verses later, he then calls him Satan. Matthew 16, look it up. It's just, really? Yeah, all of a sudden, he's like, Peter, you're the rock. Satan, get behind me. What, what, what is he not the rock? Is, is he not Peter? He just called him Satan right after he named. No, he's calling you before you are what you are. Because he is the one that's going to be almighty and all-powerful. And he's shaping you to go where he wants you to go. God calls us his children and he identifies the area you need to work in. And he don't ever condemn you, but there will be conviction you feel to move into what God has for you. Am I talking too fast? I'm trying to go fast. God's covenant is always bigger than us. Chapman was preaching Sunday. I can't get out. When the word goes in you and different people, Chapman, you just knocked it out. God didn't mess up his first covenant. We did. But he made it better when we got the covenant that we're in right now. And, and, and it's better for us because now we can experience his goodness because we kept failing the first time. The second time he said, let me help you out a little bit. How did he do that? He's El Shaddai. He's almighty. He's all powerful. He's bigger than all of that. And, and we sit there and think that, that we are going to mess this up and you're just going to mess up what he's made available, but that doesn't change what he made available. All right. Psalms 91 verse one, those who live in the shelter of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Those who live in the shelter of the most of El Shaddai. There is a shelter under El Shaddai. And when you feel like you're just getting beat, I mean, just every time I'm, I turn the corner, somebody's whooping me again. You need to know that God is a shelter for you. He is there so that you can find rest in him. He alone is my refuge. He's my place of safety. And he is my God. I'm not letting anything else come before him. Because when you start feeling like you're getting hit, it's because you've walked outside of the umbrella. Right. 
get right back under that thing. He's got it available. And people get hurt. They get hurt in church and they leave the church. <laughs> Whoa, God established the church and it's full of a bunch of people who need him. And yeah, they may have messed up. They may have walked right out from it too. But we all need to get back under. He is the most high. He is the one that is the refuge. He's the place of safety. He is my God. Let me give you another meaning of El Shaddai. Got to move on. He is the multi-breasted one. Now, this is really cool. The part of El Shaddai, S-H-A-D, Shad means breast. Now, it signifies supplying nourishment. See, moms get this because babies need a mom's breast to supply nourishment for them. And, and everybody understands that. Don't get weird about it. When a baby is born, who feeds them? Mom does. It has to have nourishment, the baby does, and it has to be fed. Now, we come into Christianity and we're like newborn children who need fed. What's really cool is El Shaddai should be the one feeding you the multi-breasted one. He should be feeding you. And here's the really cool thing. You know how a newborn baby feeds for mom? Right here. How does a newborn Christian feed from God Almighty? Right here. He's close. He's not far away. And we see him as the ocean, and he's probably part on the other side, and I'm this little cup that's over here, on this side, and I'll never, no, no, no. He is right there. He is near. He is close. And we are nourished by him. John 15 talks about abiding in him. That means near and consistent or remaining. It means I'm there. I'm always there. See, when you're close, when a baby's close to a mom, you know what? The baby's going where the mom goes. I've seen it a hundred times. It, it, when our girls had their babies and they were breastfeeding and we would want to watch them, it's like, yeah, I can't be gone that long. I have to, st I've got to be close. See, that's the way God is to us. I'm not going to be gone. I'm right here. I'm close to you. This starts really exploding in your mind. You're like, wow, I never thought about it like that. See, we're designed to live close to him. We're designed to stay close of what, what, he, what he's doing, I'm doing. What he's eating, I'm eating. So I, I feed from him, so whatever he's got is what is going in me. We're designed to live in communion. Wherever you are, you need to always be aware he is there. He is there. It's very interesting. I, I, I was studying this, and it's so cool. There is no Hebrew word for presence. Yet we as God's people all the time say, God, we're just asking for your presence to be here. Have you ever heard that prayed? We're just asking for your presence. There's no Hebrew word for presence. Every time you see that, well, you say, that, well, that has a, that, I, I know it says this. He's in the midst. He's blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I understand what has happened there, but there's not a Hebrew word for that. What it, what it is always translated, or if you will, mistranslated, it's God is always face-to-face. -face. So here, he, 
Here's what it tells me. He never has his back to you. Now, some of you are going, well, I kind of like him too sometimes. <laughs> I understand that. So be aware that he's not ever left you or forsaken you. So as soon as, since he's omnipresent and he's right there looking at you, and you try to turn your back, guess what? There he is again. And he's looking right at you. He, he is always looking at you. You're special. He's always close. Our, our young people for years, I've watched them. They come back from camp. Um, whatever camp they were in, when we used to have camp here, when they've, they've been to any of the camps that the youth hold or even the younger ones, here, here's, here's what's really cool. Every time they go to camp, they get back and they're on the spiritual high. I hear mom and dads talk about it. And they're just on the spiritual high. They're just so excited about, boy, I just wish we could live camp all the time. I used to hear that. Just wish we could stay at camp. Well, you can. Here's what happens. You were at camp and you were around people who were acknowledging and close to God. Therefore, you were on a spiritual high. I have learned that you don't ever have to not be close and near and hanging out with God. You can always hang out with God and you can always be on a spiritual high. Maybe a word for somebody today. We think that camp's the only place that's going to... No, it's just that at that point, everybody is acknowledging Jehovah El Shaddai. They're all looking to him. What happens is you go home and you quit. It's like all of a sudden you bow your head. It's not that he went anywhere, but all of a sudden we are not hooked up. We quit abiding. We're the ones who lose the significance of El Shaddai. If you'll stay with him, you'll see that life is just awesome. I'm telling you, I, there were uh, so many seasons in my life that I'm like, oh, I don't like that season. I didn't like that. I didn't like that. The older we get, Michelle and I are just like, man, I love this. I love this. I love our kids. I love that we're in some financial freedom. I love that we've got a bunch of people that love us and we love them. I love, I love this. I love, how does that happen? A spiritual high because as you're close to God, then you're experiencing the love of God. And life can be great at any season. I just didn't realize it. You know what really puts you face to face? Is praise. And we think, oh man, I just wish, I've been guilty of this. I just wish we could get through the praise because I want to hear what the word is. Let me just tell you, the word comes alive when it starts with praise. When it starts with putting your eyes on him because his are on you. He's right there face to face. And so I want to end with this tonight. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Paul's writing Church of Ephesus and here's what he says. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide 
how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We all need the power to understand. And the only way that you will get that empowering understanding is to remain and stay near, stay close. That's what abiding is. Staying near, staying close, staying hooked up. I, I just, I, I love it when, when I, I hear people on a job. I've been to three different places. I've seen people on job. And I walk in and they're listening to a podcast or they're listening to the word or they're doing this. I walk in the house all the time and Michelle's got the word playing. And I, I just, it's just always encouraging to me that we have people who want to abide. And, and God's not going to leave you. And if you'll stay close to him, I'm telling you, you'll get everything you need to overcome any situation that the old enemy is trying to get to be your identity. And stay identified with El Shaddai. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.